Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 348. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 348. Today's guest, Beth Barnett, is the owner of Chicago-based Larkspur. Her story is fascinating because I think many of you will relate to experiencing the pull between growing flowers on one side of your life and designing with flowers on the other side. Beth is deeply involved with both, and last week, after a five-year hiatus from retail floristry, she re-entered the retail scene in Chicago with a seasonal pop-up store, and you'll learn more about that during our conversation. Here's a bit more about Beth. Beth Barnett has been a fixture on the Chicago floral scene for over 20 years, launching Larkspur with a vision of floral designs that are lush, organic, and bound to the rhythms and textures of nature. No matter the season, Beth and her team strive to create artful arrangements in tune with natural forms. Larkspur has been creating beautiful nature-inspired floral and event designs in Chicago since 1994. What began as a small business specializing in weddings eventually grew into a charming retail shop in Chicago's Bucktown neighborhood, operating as a favorite of locals for a decade. Best passion for flowers went beyond design, and in addition to a retail space, in 2008, she began growing flowers on a sustainable flower farm in Buchanan, Michigan, specializing in peonies in May and heirloom annuals and perennials all summer long. The Larkspur team continues to honor the farm's long floral farm history with new, unique heirloom varieties every year. Today, Larkspur has transformed from a retail shop into a modern timber loft space, offering wedding and event design, floral deliveries, farm CSA, and flowers and plants for corporate accounts. Larkspur shares a love of natural seasonal inspired design during seminars and classes throughout the Midwest. Beth is a proud member of Slow Flowers, the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, the Harbor County Chamber of Commerce, and the Green Wedding Alliance. Enjoy our conversation and check out photographs of Larkspur, its farm, its flowers, and Beth's new pop-up project at Chicago's Revival Food Hall in today's show notes for episode 348 at deborahprinzing.com. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so delighted to introduce Beth Barnett of Larkspur Flowers and Flower, Larkspur Flower Farm. Hi, Beth. 
Hi, Deborah. Is that right? I mean, you kind of have two businesses both starting with Larkspur, right? Yes, it is Larkspur, and I I usually say Larkspur Flower Design and Flower Farm. So however that comes to be is totally fine. Well, uh, I was just making sure that I was already following you on Instagram before I called you, and I love your little tagline on your Instagram account, which is Flower Design Loft on the near west side of Chicago, Flower Farm in Southwest Michigan, and everywhere in between. So that's a good way to describe where people can find you. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So um, you've been uh, so involved in Slow Flowers, and I've called on you a couple times uh, when th- opportunities have come along in Chicago, but um, I'm excited that I'm going to get to actually visit you in person this summer when I come to Chicago. We'll, we'll have to yes. share more details about that when we... Yes, I'm so excited. Yeah. And you've offered to help me host a, a local meetup. So that'll be in, mm-hmm. in August. I'm excited about that. Yeah, me too. Um, give us a snapshot of your business right now. And, um, you know, it, I understand that your origins really are in floral design, but now you've kind of pivoted to be so farm focused that, I don't know, would you call yourself a farmer florist or how do you balance yeah. out the business? Yeah, I definitely, um, farmer florist is sort of what I, how I feel the business has gone in that direction. Um, I started as a designer really sort of by complete chance. I just stumbled into a flower shop that was hiring when I graduated from college and learned about flowers there. Um, they hired people who were not already floral designers, so they could kind of teach us from the ground up a very natural style. Um, So I really had a great beginning. Um, It's a flower shop called A New Leaf Mm. in Chicago, a very, um, one of the older flower shops that's been around a long time, had the best selection of flowers in Chicago, Mm. just a really fun, natural design style. So I learned a lot there, and they also had just like the biggest selection of flowers to be Mm. found in the city. So I just learned about so many different varieties of flowers, how to process flowers, just all all the kind of background things that flower designers need to Mm -hmm. learn first. Um, I got to learn about washing buckets, carrying buckets, (laughs) all all the fun stuff that people don't realize we spend most of our time doing. Well, let me, Um, let me ask you just quickly, uh uh, if that was after college, what, what did you study in college and what had you thought you were going to do professionally? Yeah. Oh, great question. I, um, I studied film and video actually at Columbia college in Chicago. So I was kind of in, in kind of the art Mm-hmm. departments, um, studying photography, cinematography, um, all that great wow. stuff. Yeah, I was a teaching assistant in the film department. So my focus was really on camera, being behind a camera mm-hmm. was what I really enjoyed, framing things. And I really felt like I realized after I started falling in love with flowers and floral design that there was a very similar process and that you're kind of creating a you know, flowers within a frame, mm. um, in, in three dimensions. So it, it was kind of like, um, you know, photography and film coming to life through nature. Wow. Yeah. It's so, yeah. it's so re- relevant and your eye as an artist is benefiting whether you're using film or, or live flowers. So that, that's, yeah. that. Well, you know, you wouldn't have thought that would have been the best preparation, but it seems like it was great preparation. <laughs> I know. And, and I think I just always had a 
love of nature and just being in large spaces. Even though I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, I would spend time at camp in Southwest Michigan in the summertime. And, you know, my family would travel to Colorado, you know, for family vacations. And I just loved being in big open spaces in nature. So uh, being, having my hands on plants was always something that was very natural to me. And I, when I um, first graduated from college, I actually moved to Oregon for a couple of years and worked, I was hired to work on a 60 acre organic farm. Um, uh, when I was working at a new leaf, um, they, they hired me away from there to do that. And they <laughs> wait, opened, wait, you were at new, leaf, you were at new leaf first and then you went to Oregon. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I see. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I was at the, at a new leaf for a couple of years, um, met some people, um, tra- when I was traveling in Oregon and yeah, they were like, we're opening up a flower shop in Ashland, Oregon, and we need somebody to manage it. And we have a flower farm. So I was just kind of thrown into flower farming uh, way back when in the early 90s. That wasn't, so, it wasn't Joan Thorndike from La Mera Gardens, was it? No, it, it was a place called Fourth Street Garden Gallery and huh. Cafe, huh. which I don't think exists anymore um, in Ashland, Oregon. And the woman um, who ran it... Uh, I don't think is around anymore. Oh, but um, I'm going to have to con- yeah. I'm going to have to connect you with Joan, who's past guest of this podcast, a longtime Ashland area organic flower farmer. I'm sure you two have a lot of I would you know, love that friends in common. But but that's totally. that's interesting. So the floral bug and the farming bug kind of got you at, uh, really in your 20s. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I had no idea that that was going to lead to what I'm doing now. I really, I didn't even know I would have my own flower business at all. Really. It was, you know, when you're in your early twenties, you're just kind of figuring it out and having fun and absolutely, and, uh, you know, just trying to, to figure it all out. <laughs> yeah. So when, when did you actually start Larkspur? Um, and in what, what form uh-huh. was that in? Yeah, I started Larkspur. Um, I, I moved back to Chicago in 1994, and I started freelancing, you know, s- since I um, had had some flower experience in Southern Oregon. And then in Portland, I also worked at uh, a flower shop. So I came back to Chicago with the idea of starting my own business. It had always been in the back of my mind that I wanted some type of a small business. And so I started getting back into flowers by working as a freelancer at some bigger event studios around Chicago. Mm -hmm. So I was learning kind of the wedding business and party business and these big giant design studios. Um, And I I really felt like there was a place in Chicago for a small, a smaller flower design studio that didn't have a giant minimum Mm -hmm. for weddings that, you know, could do the smaller events felt there was a need for that in Chicago. So I just found a little storefront uh, really close to where I am now um, in in the fall of 1994. And I opened up my first design studio there. Uh, and I specialized in weddings and corporate accounts. And I, I the, the flower shop, A New Leaf, that I had worked at after college, they didn't really like doing weddings. So they started sending me all of their wedding business. Oh, how great. Wow. Yeah. It what was an pretty endorse- awesome. Yeah. Like a, a big endorsement of, of you and your work. 
Yeah, they were so supportive and they're actually still very supportive and they still send me weddings even though they do their own weddings. So, so they yeah. yeah, it's it's there's a really great um community in Chicago of of florists that support each other. So that's, that's really great. That's great. And well, let yeah. me just stop for a second and ask you. I'm just trying to picture like nine, middle middle mid 90s. That's sort of when uh the beginnings of the flood of import imported flowers into the u.s market were you kind of swept up in that or how were you sourcing um yeah. back then like almost yeah yeah 20 years ago yeah i wasn't uh unfortunately i don't remember even thinking about where flowers were coming from at that time um it just wasn't even on my radar or I think other florists radar at the time, you know, in the Midwest where flowers are so seasonal, seasonally available, you know, we're just used to going to the flower wholesalers year round and scooping up flowers and not even really knowing where they're coming from. Right. I think that my na- my eye was always drawn to seasonal flowers. I like texture. I've always been into, you know, foliages and funky, funky botanicals and things. So I think that I probably was buying more local seasonal flowers and not even realizing it because tropicals were not really something that I used very often Mm -hmm. in my designs. So I think that in the back of my mind, I was probably thinking about it and not even knowing it, but, but I don't, I don't think there was even, you know, much of a conversation about it at that time. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, I think the wholesalers were just moving product and mm-hmm. maybe, um, you know, I, I, my sense is that in the 90s, the, there was still kind of this exotic flavor with imported South American flowers because it, that kind of built you know, momentum from early 90s till, you know, through the next couple of decades. So mm-hmm. it might have been, like you said, the tropicals certainly were not coming from South America. They were probably coming from Florida or Hawaii. And uh-huh. um, you're just looking for pretty flowers at that point, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my biggest memory of my first studio and, you know, the, the flower design um, what, what people were, what my customers were wanting was every single client would come in with a Martha Stewart magazine <laughs> under her arm Damn because it. we didn't have websites. I know we didn't have websites. We didn't have, you Pinterest. know, the internet. Yeah. It was just the pretty photographs in a Martha Stewart wedding magazine. Um, and that's what it, you know, it wasn't, it was before Pinterest and all of the different ways that people see flowers now. (laughs) So I just have that vision of like bunches of magazines under their arm. Yeah. And what was the flower that was almost always on the cover of a Martha Stewart (laughs) wedding magazine? I feel like it was the peony or something. Yes. Peonies, um, roses. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, all the classics Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure. So your shop, um, has have you had a couple different storefronts then or yeah what's yeah it? I always was drawn to just like big open spaces it was usually like a vintage storefront with pressed tin ceilings and hardwood floors some type of like charming characteristics Neat. that were not open to the public um, so I didn't have to be on like a busy street or you know in a in a fancy neighborhood or anything like that um, so after moving from a couple of those and at one point I was in a basement of a uh historic mansion in the wicker park neighborhood of chicago a super cool like 
I had like a brick wine cellar and um, <laughs> it, that was a really fun space. And, uh, but then I, in 2004, I moved into a retail space, uh, in Bucktown in Chicago. It was a Polish bakery that had a lot of charm, like, um, you know, beautiful tiled walls and pressed in ceilings again, of course. And it was, it was a space that just called out for flowers. There oh, were, I found like in the back of the space, I found these giant troughs made out of cedar that um, I found out were used for mixing flour back in like the fifties, the, the uh-huh. bakers would use them for that. So I, I hauled them into the space and I painted them and I put wheels on them and I used them for carrying my buckets of for, for displaying my buckets of flowers. Wow. So, so I just tried to reuse like a lot of the old bakery equipment. So, my- so that space, was that retail or more like by appointment only? That was full service retail. We wow. were open um, Monday through, wait, no, we were closed on Mondays. We were open Tuesday through Sunday. Wow. So six days a week, 10 till 7 uh, walk-ins. And then we were also still doing all of our event and weekly account business. Jeez. And so that was, okay. So that was in the, what, 12 years ago or, Mm -hmm. or so. When did you actually get the property in Southwest Michigan and start? Yeah. Also, I mean, that already sounds overwhelming to have a a full (laughs) service retail space. How and when, and why did the farming start? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, my husband uh, and I, back in 2001, we started looking for land in southwest Michigan, which is within 60 to 100 miles of Chicago. Okay. Um, they, uh, we started looking in the radius of, of southwest Michigan that's 90 miles from Chicago. So he's from, sh- from Detroit, Michigan, and I used to go with my family to southwest Michigan. My aunt had a cottage up there at, when I was growing up, and so we would go there uh, every summer on the weekends. And it's, it's a big kind of vacation area for Chicago people to go. Um, there's, you know, there's still the Lake, Lake Mm -hmm. Michigan up there. And then there's just beautiful fertile land. And so we were looking for a place to escape Chicago with our dogs. Um, and we found this property that just had beautiful unspoiled acreage. It hadn't been turned into crop land. It, um, it was just rolling natural, woods and a couple of pastures um of of just wild grasses and things and a tiny little 800 square foot cottage (laughs) that looked like something that you would come upon in the french countryside oh my goodness and we just fell in love with it and bought it and and that was in 2001 okay and we had it was 20 acres in this little cottage so we started going up there just for fun on the weekends with our dogs or whenever we had spare time and just kind of working on the house and like figuring out the property and what was there. And once spring came along, I started noticing all of these beautiful things popping up everywhere. There were beautiful bulbs and all the trees started blooming. And then I noticed that there were 84 peony bushes in the front yard um, which was quite the discovery. So, so basically you had like bought it and moved in in the dormant yeah. season. 
Yes. Holy cow. They could have charged you so much more if they had told you there were peonies <laughs> right? in the property. I know. I know. And they were really well-established peonies, you know. So once they started growing and I saw how many stems there were, I mean, it, it was pretty insane. You know, You knew what to do with them. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's great. And peonies are, are kind of a heirloom plant that could, mm-hmm. they could have been 50 years old when you inherited them, right? I think they definitely are at least that old. Wow. Yeah. And so they are, yeah, they're, they're really, um, wonderful, fragrant and lush peonies. And so, yeah, there was that. And then I started hearing stories from, neighbors and you know people that would walk by when they saw we had bought the place and they would tell us about the lady that raised her family there and she was known as the flower lady in town and she they would walk up to her house and buy flowers from her and she sold flowers somewhere in town and then I I discovered like little nails in the beams of the garage that had like old stems on them so I knew she was drying flowers in the garage wow yeah. And I, I just have a big smile on my face. I mean, it's talk about <laughs> karma. I mean, this, I know. this place found you in a yep. way. And yep. that's how you, is that sounds like that's how you started growing more flowers then. Yeah. Yep. It really was like I had my shop at the time, you know, as I had said. So I think it was a few years after we had purchased the place is when we decided to start growing flowers. So we, you know, we just realized that we had this opportunity and I also was just starting to learn more and more about local flowers and wanting to be more sustainable in my business. You know, at that point I'd had my business for over 10 years and I just, you know, you see so much waste, you see so much, uh, travel that happens with these flowers. Mm -hmm. You start learning about all the different stories, um, about, chemicals and different things on, on flowers. And, and I also, to be honest, was just kind of burned out on being the owner of a floral design business. I mean, Mm. I, I, I loved it creatively, but I just needed something. I needed my business to keep evolving. And I just wanted to be a part of the growing experience and, and how um, to, to know what that would be like to grow my own flowers by hand and see what, what would happen with that. Um, well, and there was this sort of little part uh, probably in the back of your mind, like, Hey, I've worked on an organic farm. I, yeah, I can do this. Uh, I, yeah. Or at some level. Right. Yeah. And I, I definitely, I owe a lot of it to my husband, who's an engineer and is very much, he has the, the, the technical brain, the brain that can figure out the soil and what, you know, cover crops. And he just got completely into all of that. (laughs) The parts, the parts of it that are, that are much more mathematical, you know, the spreadsheets and the timing of everything. And I'm the, like, look at all the catalogs, pretty pictures of flower seeds. What, and what's your and husband's name? His name's Alan Guerra. Thank you, Alan. That's so cool. Yeah. It kind of, it, yeah. it kind of became a family endeavor then. Absolutely. He's very creative and uh, just a, such a hard worker and he loves to have his hands on 
in the dirt and, and growing things too. So it definitely became kind of a family passion project. Wow. Yeah. So he was, he was huge help in getting it started. So what do you have now? Like describe the farm now in terms of the, like how much is cultivated, what crops you're growing. Yeah. Yeah. So we have about a half an acre is, you know, we took over one of our pastures to, to create the rose and, and the flower field. So we grow a combination of annuals and perennials in the little corner of our property on that in that flower field. Uh, and we have one row that's dedicated to lavender. So we have French and English lavender. Mm, wow. One, yeah, one row that is a whole other. We, we decided to grow more varieties of peonies. So we have another row um, of, of the newer peonies to add to our heirloom. Uh, established peonies that were already on the property. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we grow, gosh, um, just a wide variety of annuals, everything from cosmos to zinnias, coreopsis, gumfrina, yarrow, feverfew. I know some of that is perennials, um, so- feverfew. And then I love the herbs like the purple basil and fennel and, um, dill the, the the beautiful dill yeah all the, all the little things that mm-hmm. aren't necessarily easy to come by or if they're at the wholesaler they're kind of yep. like beat up and tired and you know yellowing exactly. yep you also grow dahlias don't you yeah we just i was in, sort of intimidated by dahlias because I like to do things as low maintenance as possible <laughs> because because we do so many things. It's uh, we like to do things um, that aren't too terribly complicated, right. and we do you don't grow have a, everything outside. You don't have a crew, right? I mean, this is sort of just you, you and your husband on the weekends. Yes. Yeah, I do have extra people that come and help uh, during farm planting season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a great gal that's worked for me for years. She comes up her, she has family in the area. So she'll come up from Chicago and work with us and help us with the planting. Yeah. So we have a good, we have a good group that'll come out um, during that time of the year. So I I distracted you on the Dahlia conversation. You, at some point you just decided to go for it or are you still kind of experimenting? No, we grow them. uh, I had a flower, a florist friend in Chicago who kind of grows flowers in her yard. And she's like, why aren't you growing dahlias? They're so easy. And she convinced me. So I, yeah, I bought a bunch of, um, dahlia tubers from summer dreams farms. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know him. Yeah, Michael. Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I ordered a bunch of stuff from him. And, and, and that's actually smart in a way because you're sourcing tubers yep. from a, yep. a farmer who's relatively close to you because yeah. Michael Genovese is in Michigan. Yes, So exactly. I, I can see that the growing conditions are pretty similar to yep. where your farm is. Yep, that's why I thought of I thought of him, and he has such a great selection. So, yeah, I have probably half a row of dahlias, and um, we've been doing those for a couple of years. I've been digging them up and, and um, dividing them and planting them. And they've been very successful. So that's been very exciting. Oh. Yeah. And we start seeds in our, uh, the ones that need to be started ahead of time. We actually do those in Chicago. So right now I have about 15 to 20 flats in my basement in Chicago under lights and shelves. And then we bring them to Michigan and get them in the ground. Um, 
pretty soon. Pretty couple soon. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We've had such a cold spring, which I'm sure you you've heard. We have <sighs> the cold coldest April I think we've had in Chicago in over a hundred years. Well, I just keep seeing people in the Midwest posting like maybe like a month ago posting some like little promising garden yep. farm <laughs> farm is waking up photos and then the next photo will be like yep. snow on the ground and it's just yeah you know it's got to be so discouraging like yeah we had uh, snow like two days ago so jeez, um, that's crazy yeah i think we're finally i think it's finally turning into spring here well, and I'm glad you mentioned the seeds starting um, in uh, in your basement in Chicago because I think I cut you off when you were saying you, everything you do is field grown uh, yep. at the farm. You don't have yep. a high tunnel or anything. No, we don't have any tunnels, hoop houses, greenhouses. Uh, every year we 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 say maybe next year we'll do that, but mm-hmm. we still haven't haven't really had felt the need to do that. So. I mean, it would be great because it would extend our growing season, and there'd be a few more things we'd be able to grow. So, right. um, maybe next, maybe next year. <laughs> but so, uh, no, yeah. not yet. So, Beth, how is is everything that you're growing? Is it moving through Larkspur, the design studio, and the reach? And the you don't have a retail flower shop anymore, do you? Right. No. Nope, okay. It is by appointment only. Okay. Same facility, but you're doing it at you're you're not keeping retail hours. Is that right? Well, we moved from our storefront um, to a loft space uh, when we shut down our store. Okay. So we have a big, like, 1,800-square-foot loft space in, like, a creative um, building on the near west side, which is a really great neighborhood because it's really close to the flower markets and downtown. So um, it's it's more of just, like, one big open space that's okay. an in- interior loft space. Okay. So I'm jumping all around. So you... Let's just stop and let me help wrap my head around this. Yeah. When did you, that was a couple of years ago that you went to the loft space and stopped being retail. Is that right? Yeah, 2014. Okay. okay. Oh, so you had retail for 10 full years. and 10 years. You did it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the, <laughs> proving that there's life after retail. I love it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then did that, was that decision um, influenced considerably by the fact that you're beefing up your growing operation or? Yes. Like, okay. Yep. I kind of wanted to have more time to dedicate to the farming aspect of our business. And I felt like a lot of our business revolved still around our weddings and events Mm. and weekly Mm -hmm. accounts and things like that. And less about um, walk-in retail customers. Sure. That makes sense. So it just made the most business sense to keep that part of the business going. I still have you know, I, I gained a great customer base through my retail business that are still ordering flowers with, from me and um, still my customers for all oh. the major holidays and things like that. So, you know, it was a really great experience. I'm so glad I did it because I always would have wondered what it would have been like to have retail. And I, I loved it when I was doing it. Um, but I'm glad that I've, I've <laughs> <laughs> kind of moved on. You've reclaimed some hours of your life and you're yeah. just, you're just using those hours to grow more plants, more exactly. flowers. So, yeah. um, so then the question I started getting into was like, uh, everything you're growing, is it moving through Larkspur for wedding mm-hmm. and event clients and, and your long-term established clients? Um, how are you, are you able to, I guess, use all that, all that you're growing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I uh, that was something I was concerned about when I shut down my retail store. 
Um, but I've definitely been able to keep the flowers selling through Larkspur in various capacities. I have sold to other florists, so we do wholesale and retail. Um, there's so many great florists in Chicago that like to buy local. So I will sell to a few shops mm -hmm. in Chicago. And then last year we did our first farmer's market. So we did a farmer's market in downtown Chicago uh, every Thursday night and we would sell our farm, all our farm flowers there. And then we also sell, we're selling to a couple of grocery stores, like small independent grocery stores, we're buying like bunches of our peonies oh, cool. and things. And then, um, and then also just our customer orders and some of our weekly accounts we were able to use them for. And then this year, um, starting in a couple of weeks, we are doing a flower cart in a food hall called revival hall in the loop in the Chicago loop. Um, that we're going to be selling our farm flowers. At. Yeah, so I yeah, think that's they're so be going fast. That's exciting. Yeah, you mentioned that when we kind of had our pre-phone call, uh -huh. and um, it was so funny. It was like you saved it till the very end, and then you sprung <laughs> that on me. <laughs> so, um, so, it, number one, this this can't be at all daunting to you because a flower cart is like just another a mini, mini, mini version yes. of a flower shop, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, how did this come about, and what is this space like? Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough to be um, there. There's a wedding planner, an event planner in Chicago that had kind of put out a call to the community um, that she works with this uh, hospitality collective called 16 on Center, and they own a bunch of restaurants in, in the city. And they were looking for a florist who probably didn't already own a retail shop mm -hmm. that would be willing to run a kind of mini retail flower shop for them inside um, their food court um, in downtown Chicago. Okay. And I, I just started talking to her about it and she put me in touch with the owner and we talked and it kind of went from there but um there are really it's a really cool space uh again it's called revival hall it's on south clark street kind of by the board of trade mm -hmm. right in the heart of the loop and it's an all local um dining concept and it spotlights the um like the best of chicago's culinary scene under one roof so people come through the space every day they get thousands of people wow. that work in the neighborhood or work in the building. It's it's a beautiful, like, restored historic building um, that has a, a bunch of offices on multiple levels. But they took over the whole first floor of the space, and it's just this, this great dining concept where people can come in and have anything from, like, a Korean barbecue wrap to uh, you know, Mindy's, Mindy's hot chocolate mm -hmm. uh, cookie to... Uh, they, there's just so there's a bar there's a there's a cafe um so for really delicious coffee so there's just like a lot of different uh food vendors but they're all owned by this one restaurant company well actually they are independent restaurant oh. Oh, okay. um groups yeah but the this 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 hospitality collective wanted to bring them all in and it's it's more of like a collaboration yeah, create they, a, create this yeah. experience kind of thing yeah so yep. so i guess the reason i'm curious about that is like people there's a lot of a uh, lot of foot traffic as you said and then mm -hmm. people sitting there for periods of time and mm -hmm. 
your flowers are going to be the only flowers in the, that space, it sounds like. Yep, yep, exactly. And we're actually the only like retail aspect of the space. It's all food and beverage. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is their little trial run at having a retail experience there. Mm-hmm. And the owner um, of, of 16 on Center, one of the owners, I think he's just really, really into flowers cool. and wanted to have fresh flowers in the space and you know so he just wanted this like lush like european style flower cart experience for his customers Mm -hmm. so are you are you building a a cart or are they giving you something that you can use yeah they i just saw the cart for the first time yesterday they purchased a cart it's like an artist built um funky wood cart Mm. it's like reclaimed wood with Mm -hmm. these giant like rusty bicycle wheels I love it on them yeah it's really beautiful and um, we picked out a space uh, that I'm gonna be in that is just a very it's a great focal point and it's a it's a great access point for people to be coming and going from and I my ideas are just running a little wild with um, all the flower <laughs> possibilities and we don't have our local flowers yet because it's still a little bit early May 1st um, is is the opening date and uh, our peonies are going to be available at the end of may uh-huh. so as soon as uh once we're open for a couple of weeks we're just gonna bust out it's just gonna be peony crazy town on oh that my part, so <laughs> <laughs> i'm very excited about that well it it makes sense that they want to open before mother's day which yes. so the may 1st will kind of be your soft opening and and mm-hmm. will you be just sourcing from other farms or um, yeah yeah, I want to. I would like to at least be buying uh, American-grown flowers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it is the priority for sure. Um, so yeah, the the opening day they're going to put us right in the middle of the building, right in the middle of the space for our first couple of days, just so people for sure see us and see yeah. that there are flowers. So I'm so yeah, they're going to take a bunch of photos and just make sure that everybody you know hears about it, and then. Um, yeah, it'll be as local as possible. And then, you know, by end of May, it's going to be, I think, pretty much all local flowers. Yeah. So. I, you said you're going to try this for like a, like three months or something and then reevaluate? Yes. Okay. So this, yeah, it's not a huge risk for you. Yeah, exactly. It's a three-month undertaking. And I think that uh, for, you know, both parties, it's just like um, – uh, just to kind of see where it goes, we're all being as flexible as possible because we, we just want to see how the clientele reacts to it and see how popular it is, see, you know, how it fits with the space and how, mm-hmm. how it's mm-hmm. going. So, yeah, because it's also, you know, a busy wedding season for me and, and farming season all kind of, ha- it all happens. Of in course, May. of course. Yeah. So yeah, are you, so, you're going to hire people to help staff that or? Um, absolutely. Okay. Yep. I've got, um, I'm in the process of that. I will be hiring two people to be running it. And then, um, you know, we'll just kind of be switching off, but I want to have like a flower cart manager and helper and all that. Wow. So Beth, yeah. are, Beth, are you still going to do that Thursday night farmer's market or is it just? I'm <laughs> not. Yeah, I decided to not do that. It was a really great experience and I'm glad I did it. I may do farmer's markets again in the future, but especially with this flower cart happening, um, I 
I do think it's going to end up being more than just the three months. I would love it to be at least through the summertime. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I just didn't want to promise, uh, you know, to, I didn't want to get myself involved with uh, a farmer's market as well. So yeah, right. Not for this year. Well, this this story that you've been telling is uh, I'm picturing this sort of um, wonderful flow of flowers from your farm in Southwest mm-hmm. Michigan through multiple channels, and mm-hmm. you've as a business entrepreneur, you know, flower entrepreneur, you've had to choose where are the most profitable channels t- to uh, make this worth worthwhile because farming yep. is so so expensive and so there's yep. you know so much cost to you with time labor and mm-hmm. and you know the transportation and all so it it sounds like the weddings and events are still the more profitable and they're probably more profitable because your your profit is in those flowers right you're not having yep. to go buy them and mark them up Yeah. I mean, we still have to buy flowers for weddings that aren't in our farm flower season. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're, we're definitely trying to promote more of the farm flower weddings. Like you, I find that a lot of people are, there are, there's a lot, there are a lot of clients now who like to do their own flowers and buy local and, and kind of try their hand at doing flowers themselves. So they will you know, I'm offering, um, buckets of flowers for clients that just want to do their own design Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's another way, um, for us to use our flowers for weddings. Um, but yeah, we definitely like to use our flowers or other local farmers flowers for our weddings during the Midwest local season (laughs) for sure. And the Midwest is kind of short. Yeah. You were saying saying end of May and then what does that go through? Like, end of September or mid-October? Yep, and, uh, I would say mid-October we're still getting things. Uh, it, it just depends. You know, the the local markets um, here, they bring in flowers from all, all over Michigan, mm-hmm. Illinois, and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're kind of getting a full range of local flowers through October for sure. Yeah. And you, you're you're able to source from some of those regional farms that do have greenhouses or mm-hmm. season yep. extension tunnels and that sort of yep. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's starting, there's already, um, you know, some farmers that have ranunculus and anemones and things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's mm-hmm. starting, it's starting right about now. Wow. And then, um, the, the, all the other fun stuff and there's blooming branches that are probably, about to happen locally. <laughs> as long as that <laughs> snow melts, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Well, this is this has been really so fascinating to to hear about your path, your your circuitous path that has taken you through flowers in basically at every stage and um it sounds like the best of both worlds. Like you're 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 having the the science of flower farming and the art of floral design in there they kind of feed you from both both yeah channels of, of work right yeah absolutely I feel really fortunate to get to do all of those things and the growing and then designing with the flowers that we've grown or watching other people design with the flowers that we've grown is definitely the most mm. the thing that I'm the most passionate about in that the thing that I appreciate the most about my business. That's so cool. Well, I didn't 
ask you about the name Larkspur. I'm assuming you grow Larkspur in your fields. <laughs> um, <laughs> or is well, that just like a metaphor for something? <laughs> I actually, we're growing Larkspur for the first time this year. I'm finally trying it. Um, I, I chose the name Larkspur for my business back in 1994 <laughs> um, because I just wanted it. I wanted the name of my business to be one word and the name of a flower. Mm -hmm. So I just literally wrote down lists of names of flowers and then look, stared at them for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and the one that kept popping out was Larkspur. And I just loved the word. And, um, yeah, it, it, it really was just all about the word and the letters. I, you know, I, I just like the way it looked. That's, so you're going for yeah. the, you're going for what's the <laughs> cinematography or what's the word exactly. cinematic, cinematic word. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's a very romantic and yeah, beautiful looking word to me. So that, that's, that really was it. That's cool. So Beth, I'm really excited to share photos of your flowers that you're growing and you're designing and this new cart. So will you you'll have a few photos that you can share with us for the show notes. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited about that. Okay, great. And I know the beginning of May will be crazy, but this is a perfect, a perfect time that we can talk yeah. a, few, a few weeks before the opening and uh, get, yeah. this, get this on the run date. Absolutely. I'm so excited. It's been great to spend this time with you on, on, you know, a nice Friday morning conversation and, and I can't wait for people to meet you virtually, uh, through their earbuds and, uh, see your work. <laughs> so we'll share all your social places too, um, awesome. in the show notes. Thanks so much, Beth. Thank you, Deborah. This is seriously a highlight of, of my career speaking with you today. It really, really oh, is. Oh, good. You're, well, back you're, at you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks. Okay. I will talk to you all soon. Right. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Bye. 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 much for joining me today and meeting Beth Barnett, a longtime Slow Flowers member who is part of the new model of bringing flowers from the field to the bouquet. There are many similarities between what Beth has accomplished as a veteran florist farmer with Larkspur in Chicago and what last week's guest, April Lemley of Kamama Flowers, is pursuing on Washington's Olympic Peninsula. And I know there are many other similar stories in the Slow Flowers world that I am committed to bringing to you in the coming season. I want to remind you about the Dream Designer Package, a ticket promotion that runs through Sunday, May 20th. All May registrants for the Slow Flower Summit will be entered into a drawing for one spot to join me on Sunday evening, July 1st, at an exclusive gathering with Laura Dowling, author and former White House florist. This private event benefits the AIFD Foundation, and I'm going to bring one of you with me to attend and enjoy a dazzling and unforgettable evening. So if you've been thinking about attending the Slow Flower Summit, this promotion might just be your incentive. Check out details and find information about the Slow Flower Summit at today's show notes for episode 348 at deborahprinzing.com, or click on over to slowflowerssummit.com, our website. The summit promises to be a fantastic day of networking, inspiration, and personal growth, and I can't wait to see you there. I'm so happy to tell you that the Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 315,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. 
As the Slow Flowers movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at deborahprinzing.com in the right column. Thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and all of our programs, including this podcast, American Flowers Week, the slowflowers.com online directory to American Grown Flowers, and our new channels, Slow Flowers Journal and the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit. They include Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at Mayesh.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.